Welcome. This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, and this is Case 13, The Disappearance of Kendrick Jackson. Today's episode of Crime Noir is sponsored by Change of Scenery Travel. Change of Scenery Travel is a travel agency dedicated to curating custom trips for you, your friends, or your organization, from travel planning to custom itineraries. Change of Scenery Travel is here to help you plan the trip of your dreams. Visit their website at yourchangeofscenery.com and type in code CRIMEXNOIR for 50% off travel planning. You can also find Change of Scenery on Instagram at yourchangeofscenery. Let's get to the show. Before I start today's episode, I would just like to give a trigger warning that although this episode does not feature explicit language, it does um, talk about violence against children. Kendrick Jackson was a little black boy who disappeared on April 7, 2006 from Houston, Texas. At the time of his disappearance, he was three years old. He was last seen wearing a white t-shirt and pajama shorts with a football and basketball print on them. On Friday, April 7, 2006, Roderick Fountain called police to report Kendrick's disappearance. Police then began a major search to look for baby Kendrick. Roderick's version of events are sketched, but here's what he believes had happened. Or this is what he said happened. Version 1. At 5.15 a.m., Roderick's wife left their Wilcrest Drive apartment in West Houston to go to work. She then dropped off their two kids at daycare. During this time, Kendrick and Roderick were left alone. Kendrick originally lived with his mother, Kiana Johnson. Kiana was visiting Roderick at the time. Roderick then told police he woke up at approximately 9 a.m., went upstairs to do laundry, according to him, and he was upstairs for just five minutes. When he came back downstairs at 9.30 slash 10 a.m., Kendrick was already gone and the door was wide open. He then allegedly searched for one hour and called police to report him missing. When police arrived, Roderick was rather calm, not distressed or worried or anything like that. A homicide detective heard Roderick saying that Kendrick was lost and that he'll be fine. Now, if your baby disappeared and the door was left over, how could you remain calm? That's red flag to me. Don't know about y'all. So, on April 7th, one of his neighbors walked to the store across the street from the complex around 10 a.m. She noticed nothing unusual, didn't see Kendrick. She returned at approximately 10.30 a.m. And she didn't see Roderick looking for Ken or anything. So, she was a little perplexed to hear that, you know, they were searching for this baby because Roderick didn't appear distressed or anything like that. And when she saw Roderick, she asked how he was doing and he indicated that he was fine. There's like I said, there's no sign of distress and he didn't mention that he was looking for his child. So, yeah. Also, another witness, which was the apartment complex maintenance man, said he arrived to work at 9 a.m. The security gate was working. He was overseeing maintenance at another location on the property and can see the apartment door was not open, not ajar, nothing. Roderick voluntarily went with homicide detectives to the downtown police. 
police had already obtained cell phone records and his phone hit off a cell phone tower along East Freeway to Baytown between the hours of 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. Baytown is approximately 55 minutes away from Roderick's apartment. So what was he doing at that time? He was confronted with records and he admitted he wasn't at his apartment, but at the house of the other women he was seeing. He said he didn't tell the truth to police because he didn't want his wife to know he was creeping. He then said he left his house at 4 a.m. to go to Walita Gordon's apartment, which is approximately five minutes away. He said that baby Kendrick was with him. Roderick arrived at Walita's apartment at approximately 4.30 a.m. and left at 6.30 a.m. and then went back to home to his apartment. However, the cell phone records indicate he was going to Baytown. He didn't reach Walita's apartment until 6.40 a.m. After leaving Walita's house, he then drove to Trinnell Smith's apartment in Northeast Houston, which is approximately 25 minutes away from Roderick's apartment. Kendrick was still with him. According to Roderick, he arrived at 7.30 at Trinnell's house, then took her kids to school, came back to her apartment, had sex with her, then left her apartment at 9.30. He then went home, got home at 10, then went upstairs to wash clothes and noticed Kendrick was missing at approximately 10.30 a.m. Cell phone records proved he was at Trinnell's apartment and didn't get home till 11.14 a.m. He was confronted with records that conflicted with his story. He claimed to not know where Baytown was. However, this doesn't make sense. Roderick is from New Orleans, and in order to get to New Orleans, you have to drive through Baytown. He then changed his story when he was confronted with these facts. He said he was looking for his friend Alicia Mackle, who also lived in Baytown. All three of the women he was involved with were interviewed. Alicia's testimony was consistent with his cell phone records. Roderick called her three times around 4.30 a.m., but she did not answer. Walida testified that Roderick is the father of her daughter, and on April 5th, Walida borrowed Roderick's car to get to work while Roderick watched her daughter. On the same day, Roderick called her and told her that there was a hole in the bathroom wall of her apartment. Walida then asked what happened. Roderick told her that he hit Kendrick because he peed on himself, and then as a result, Kendrick's head hit the wall, causing the hole. Initially, she did not tell police about this, until one month before trial, which is so crazy to me because how can you know that a baby is missing? Your baby daddy hit him so hard that his head fell into a wall and caused a hole. And you don't tell police about this. She also testified that Roderick came to her apartment at approximately 6 or 6.30 a.m. She was asleep and Kendrick was not with him. Roderick tried to convince her to say Kendrick was there, but she wouldn't do it. Trinnell testified that her and Roderick had been friends for over 12 years and had an ongoing relationship. And on April 5th, Roderick and Kendrick came over. She witnessed Kendrick with a busted lip, a knot on his forehead, and Kendrick told her that he had got a whooping for peeing in the car. Roderick said he fell in someone's house, hit hit his head on a wall, and busted his lip. Trinnell tried to comfort Kendrick, but he was quiet and would not talk. So signs of abuse and no adult did anything, but we'll get there. Trinnell testified that on April 7th, she called Roderick and asked him to take her kids to school. 
Roderick got to her apartment at approximately 8 a.m. He then drove the kids to school, and when he got back, they had sex. Kendrick was not with him during this time. He then left her house, and Trinell called him back because he left his shirt. He then returned to her apartment at approximately 10.30 a.m. Roderick called her four times on Saturday, April 8th, and asked her to lie and say Kendrick was with him. She didn't know he was missing, so she initially told police that Kendrick was at her house. When questioned by police, she admitted that she lied because he was her friend and didn't know the severity of the situation. The last time she saw Kendrick was April 5th. Kendrick's mom, Kiana, also testified. She testified that she met Roderick at 17 years old in the 11th grade. She indicated that Roderick never tried to build a relationship with Kendrick. And there was a lots of abuse that Kendrick experienced by the hands of Roderick. He responded to Kendrick crying one time by shaking him and then locked him in a dark bathroom and yelled at him to stop crying. And when he didn't stop crying, he hit Kendrick so hard with a belt that he was bruised through his butt. After this incident, Kendrick cried every time he saw Roderick and was afraid of him. Roderick then told Kendrick to hush up every time he saw him because Kendrick would be crying. She also testified that at, when Kendrick was 18 months old, Roderick used to beat him because just because he cried. Ugh, just sickening to me, you guys. He's 18 months old and you're beating him because he's crying. And I'm side-eyeing Kiana too because you know this is going on and you're not protecting your child for a man. According to Kiana, in February 2006, Roderick took Kendrick to get a haircut and kept him overnight. When Kendrick returned, he had bruises on his face, and when she took off his clothes, there was bruises all over his body. They were vicious. On his butt, back, thighs, they were so bad that when she put lotion on him, he flinched. She asked where he got the bruises, and Kendrick told her it was Roderick. Roderick then told her that Kendrick did his usual crying, and that's why he harmed her. Kiana then asked Roderick to stop abusing um, Kendrick, and Roderick agreed that he would. She never called the police because she wanted Kendrick to have a father figure in his life. But what's the point of a father figure if the father figure is abusive? That makes absolutely no sense. It only gets worse from here, y'all, so I'm just telling you to brace yourselves. So in March 2006, before Kendrick's third birthday, Roderick took Kendrick to the mall and Kendrick peed on himself. And Roderick got so mad, he shook and punched Kendrick so hard in the chest. Later, Roderick gave Kendrick a bath and Kiana heard Kendrick splashing and saw Roderick holding Ken's head underwater and Ken was struggling. Kiana confronted him about it and Roderick gave her a evil look, according to her. Kiana then got Kendrick out of the bath and dressed him for bed. Roderick then got him out of bed and forced him to eat. He shoved the food into Kendrick's mouth. Kiana took Kendrick for a visit on March 31st. Roderick asked to keep Kendrick for longer than a weekend. And when he returned, he came back with a knot on his head and a busted lip. Kiana testified that Kendrick would have never left or opened the door by himself. And when she confronted Roderick, he never gave her a straight answer. Kiana did not want to believe Roderick had harmed Kendrick. Another person who testified was Leonard Patrick. He was good friends with Roderick. On April 6th, Roderick called Leonard and asked him to fix a hole in the wall at Walita's home. 
When Wadrick went to Patrick's home, he discovered that Kendrick pooped on himself while in the car. This caused Roderick to get angry, and he began hitting the baby with an open hand. Leonard's adult cousin, Bernadine, stepped in and told him to chill out. Bernadine got angry because she didn't think Roderick should have whooped Kendrick, and neither did Leonard. Afterwards, they went to Walida's apartment, and the hole was smaller than a piece of paper and approximately three feet off the ground. After fixing the hole, they left Walida's apartment and went to Roderick's apartment to watch TV. They got there approximately around 7.38 and Leonard and Roderick began watching the baseball game or basketball game. Roderick then went to a room where Kendrick was and Kendrick started crying. Pat heard Roderick telling the baby to shut up as he was whooping Kendrick. Roderick was angry after a while. Kendrick stopped crying and Roderick stayed in the room. He then eventually came out and then asked if they were ready to leave. Roderick then let them take his truck, which was shocking to them because his truck was his baby. After that, Leonard said he never saw the baby ever again. On April 9th, Roderick was arrested for giving false statements to police. And on April 10th, while in custody, Ricky Johnson, who was on parole for sexual assault, indicated that Roderick made comments about they won't find him and he was tired of Kendrick peeing on himself and he quote-unquote deserved what he got. Ricky Johnson also received no benefit from testifying um, at this trial. Another witness, Douglas Fulisser, not sure if I'm saying that right, um, also testified that while incarcerated, Roderick was heard telling people that he killed his son and that's because he lost his temper because the child pooped on himself and that he struck the child on the cheek that and it dented him. And after he hit the child, um, Kendrick wasn't moving. So just mountain, mountain up. Douglas also testified that this incident occurred on Thursday night. And Roderick said that they would never find his child's body because he dumped it near a boat ramp. And he indicated that he panicked and put the child in a bathtub and later wrapped the child's body in garbage bags and put it in the trunk of his car. He then said in a panic, Roderick drove home towards New Orleans, but he did not make it towards New Orleans and then just dumped it on the side of the road on the east side of Houston, somewhere he had taken his kids before, quote unquote, near a boat ramp. In June 2009, Roderick was charged with the felony murder of Kendrick Jackson. Ultimately, the jury found him guilty of the charged offense and he was sentenced to life in prison. Kendrick's body has not been found. If you have any information on where the body of Kendrick may be, please contact Houston Police Department at 713-731-5223. And let's just get into some theories. Um, This one's pretty straightforward. I just, I feel some way about the adults that saw this little boy being essentially tortured by his dad and did nothing about it. Um, If you see a child being abused or have an inkling that this child is being abused, you need to step forward and do the right thing so these situations can be um, prevented. And I just want to say shame on Kiana because you knew that this monster was harming your child and you chose to do nothing about it. It's imperative that adults look out for children and make sure they're well protected this could have probably been prevented had Kiana kept 
Roderick away from her child, but she chose not to because she wanted to be in a romantic relationship with him. And same with the other women that witnessed something weird going on and did nothing about it. And same with his friends that saw him beating a child and did nothing about it. And that's all I have to say. And let's go to some noir news. My first story today is about a woman named Tia Liger who was violently murdered and sexually assaulted on August 21st. I read this story on the georgiavoice.com and it was really troubling to me because um, she's part of the LGBT community and just reading her story really was shocking to me. So basically two men forced three people and she's one of those three people into an apartment and robbed her. And then all three victims were sexually assaulted, but Tia was the only one killed. The other two victims, which were a man and a woman, were injured, but they haven't said the extent of those um, injuries. And they did arrest the men who did it. It's uh, 28-year-old Anthony Gross, or Goss, I'm sorry, and Rory Hill. And they were arrested on August 23rd and 27th. And both were facing kidnapping, rape, and felony murder charges. So I'll definitely be updating this one because I'll be interested to see what happens when they go to trial, if they even go to trial, because it seems pretty cut um, straightforward. So, yeah. My last story today is that of um, the disappearance of Nalani Johnson. And actually today her body was found. She was kidnapped by an Uber driver who apparently alleges that her father sold her for $10,000. So this is very disturbing to me as I feel like we're seeing a lot of cases of child abduction, selling of the child, child abuse in the media lately. So I'm just kind of over it. But according to investigators, um, Nancy, who is the person who kidnapped her, she just took the kid and I guess murdered her because her body was found. I don't know. A lot of details haven't come out about this and like I said I'll just be interested to see what happened and if the father did sell her then he needs to be in jail for the rest of his life because clearly he was probably abusing her but yeah apparently the lady that um kidnapped her had a romantic relationship with the father so who knows if she's actually telling the truth she could be just she could have taken the child taken the child to spite the father um because they were on rocky terms. I mean, who knows? I would like to think a father wouldn't sell his child for $10,000, but you never know in today's society. So that wraps up today's episode, you guys. Um, I'm glad to be back. If you're not doing so already, please follow me on Instagram at Crime Noir the Podcast, on Twitter at Crime X Noir, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Bye.